owning your fabulousness, what's it all about? Once I have a Venn diagram, you have that feedback you receive from people. Literally just text a few people and say, what makes me fabulous? And the other side of the Venn diagram, I like saying, what did people say about your childhood before we had all these pressures? For me, it was like, oh my gosh, you're a good teacher. I was the only kid that got anything from Staples for elementary school Christmas. And then you overlap those and I'm a teacher now and I educate people on their job search. So looking at that overlap and what's stuck with you over the last 20, 30, 40 years can be an amazing way to figure out what's fabulous about you in the who you are. The more that we can own our fabulousness, especially the things that make us different, that's part of the secret sauce. Hello again, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Oh Hi Self, your home for all things personal development, empowerment, mindset, manifestation, all the lifestyle design things you could ever want. Um, excuse my sexy lounge singer voice today. I've got some combination of a cold um, and allergies and who knows what else going on. So um, no, I did not smoke 27 packs of cigarettes this morning, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but I am very excited today to bring you a guest who is going to be, I think, such a great fit for so many of you. One of the things I hear most frequently out of all the conversations I have with potential clients and just people in my life in general who are struggling in some way or another it's fucking career. <laughs> People feel stuck. They don't, you know, they hate their boss. They hate their job. They don't know what to do, but they kind of, there's like no really helpful roadmap. And so people tend to settle and stay where they are and then just tend to be frustrated um, and kind of not know where to turn. So I'm really pumped to bring you our next guest who is um, someone I've actually like been admiring from afar. He doesn't actually know this, but I've been admiring him from afar from for a couple of years. Um, and he's actually someone that I've been referring people to who aren't necessarily a good fit for me, but who are looking for specific things around career. So today um, I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Kyle Elliott, who official bio for a second here is the founder and career coach behind caffeinatedkyle.com. His goal is simple to help people find jobs they love. His expertise is in Silicon Valley and high tech. He's been recognized as a best career coach and interview coach and LinkedIn top voice, which is the platform's highest honor. And last month, Dr. Elliott was elected to the executive board of the Gay Coaches Alliance. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you and the audience about this important topic that, as you said, is difficult for a lot of people and they don't have a roadmap. So they just often stay where they're at for a lot longer than they'd like to. It's difficult and it's frustrating. And it can also be so exciting when we figure out how to look at it in a way that is a little bit more maybe empowering or aligned or full of hope rather than full of like doom and pressure like so many of us are conditioned to do. So, um, and first of all, we are recording this on June 6th. So happy Pride. How will you be celebrating Pride in your world this month? Yes. Later this week, someday later this week, we're going down to LA for LA Pride and we'll be sitting Megan the Stallion, my partner JB and I. So we're super excited. We have not been to a concert in like four years before the pandemic began. We saw Cardi B. So we're excited to go to a concert and celebrate with an icon. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm um, I'm hoping to find some, well, not hoping to find, I will go find some events in the San Francisco Bay Area where I'm based. Obviously, there will be no lack of events in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I'm also going to be in Italy for the last week of June. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll be in Rome for a hot second and then out on the island of Elba. So I'm like somewhere in that week, I'm going to try to fit in some sort of maybe Italian version of a Pride event, which would be super fun. So 
It'd be amazing. Yay. Um, okay. So what I would love to start with, if you're down, is just to share a little bit, have you share a little bit about your journey, like, um, you know, kind of backstory and what has made you who you are, but also what has brought you specifically to where you're at with your career and what you help people with? Yeah, so my career journey is quite unconventional from a lot of other career coaches and people in this space. I started on Fiverr or almost 10 years ago now. I literally charged $5 for resume reviews, LinkedIn profile summaries. It was a college side hustle. I was in my second, I think, year of college, and I wanted money for Subway, for Starbucks, you name it. So I started reviewing resumes, giving people feedback on their essays, and literally charged $5. And once Fiverr took their cut, it was like $3.75. So I do two of them to be able to afford an iced latte or a pizza or a Subway at school. And then over time, this grew. And my dad doesn't remember this advice. But every time I had a wait list, I doubled my prices. So 5 to 10, 10 to 20. And I was in the Bay Area, San Francisco. I went to San Francisco State. So a lot of the people I worked with were targeting Meta. It was Facebook at the time, Amazon, Google, LinkedIn. So I developed this accidental niche in tech. And fast forward six years, and I was doing like 30 hours a week coaching, mostly working with managers and executives since I had raised my prices quite a few times. And I left my full-time job at the university. I came back to work there after grad school to run the business full-time. And now I've been doing almost six years of career coaching full-time. And I love being able to help amazing people in tech, Silicon Valley, and across the world find jobs they love. That's such a cool story. And especially the fact that you started on Fiverr and just kind of worked your way up from there. I um, often tell people who are like really open to, especially people who want to do like a huge career pivot and they just want to test out some, you know, whether it's graphic design or like some other skill that's more of a side hustle Mm -hmm. for them or hobby. I'm like, go on Fiverr, go on Upwork, do one of those things and just see if you even like it. You know, it's such a low barrier to entry and it's a great way to hone those skills if you want to practice whatever it may be. But just doing it specifically for a resume reviewing is so, so smart. Um, when you, so in your work with people, when you, I mean, I'm sure you, they kind of maybe come to you at different points, but like, what are some of the main, the main challenges or trends that you see? What are, when people come into you, what are they, you know, like crying on the floor about mostly? Usually there's a few issues. One is I'm 40, 50, 60, because I normally work with senior managers and executives and say, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but it's not my current job. And I can't start over because I have a family, I have a mortgage, I have a successful career. I can't just start over at a role that's not using all my experience. So that's usually one of the first places. The second is confidence. How do I make a transition now? How do I leverage all my skills? And then the third is And my goal with the first and second people is to get them here if they're not already here is I have some dream job I want, but I don't know how to get there. So usually people are in one of those three buckets or sometimes they overlap. And our goal is to figure out, okay, what exactly do they want? What's that dream job and to move them toward it? So when people, because I see so I see this so often too, like I think our I sometimes have to get up on my soapbox and just get really mad at the conditioning conditioning that of course we each have our you know family conditioning and our upbringing, but so much of the messaging in our culture, our culture being like you know Western like U.S. and Western Europe culture, and especially in places like the Bay Area that you and I are familiar with, it's there's so much pressure around kind of like the traditional markers of success. So getting a job with a fancy title or that has enough prestige that you 
feel like your parents will be proud of you when they talk to their friends about it or keeping up the Joneses, keeping up with your peers, needing to make a certain amount of money because, you know, lifestyle creep and all of that, living in an expensive place like the Bay Area. And so much of as we get conditioned into, you know, whatever path somebody ends up on, like maybe they're working their way up some ladder somewhere, whether or not they kind of intentionally got there, but they get to a point and they're like, it's too late because, you know, I've got these golden handcuffs or it's also like the, so I do a lot of work with people around dreams and dream life and designing that. And it's wild to me how like terrified we are to even allow ourselves to dream. You know, it's like, they'll think, well, you know, I might have this dream job, but like, that's stupid. I can't, I would never actually go do that because what am I going to do? Leave my high paying job with my, you know, two mortgages and kids private college. And like, what am I going to go to be a painter, be a singer? You know, and they think it's absolutely ridiculous. And so it's, they don't even give themselves permission to consider the possibilities because it's so black. It's like so binary. It's like, well, I either leave this and go be a starving artist or I stay and I'm miserable for the rest of my life. And there's no in between. And so much of what I'm trying to like, open people up to is the idea of like, give yourself permission to dream. It doesn't mean you have to act on it, but just by that little, like opening a tiny little bit of the curtain where they kind of look into their heart and their soul and they start to honor maybe even the possibility yeah. that there could be some, and and usually there, you know, there often are like a bajillion creative options in between this, like, you know, all or nothing or one or the other approach. So like, how do you help people start to even consider the possibility of some sort of a dream job or like something that even something that they would like just slightly more than whatever they're currently doing that they don't like. Yes. I love that you've mentioned the word design and designing and designing your lifestyle. That's why I like doing with clients often is saying, what are all the possibilities here? Okay. You want to be a singer. Great. And you've never sung before and you're in this job as engineer. What are the in-betweens here? And thinking of all the different possibilities, I think of it as a Venn diagram. And oftentimes people have one circle, this engineer role. Another circle is the singer. Okay. How can we have these overlap more? Is it you doing engineering for Apple, where they make headphones, where they make audio equipment? Is it you going and working at Pandora and it's a platform for music? Where can we start having overlaps and being creative and saying, what are all our options and mapping them out? And as you said, it's not just about, yes, I'm going to go do this, but just brainstorming. And my goal in this initial process with people is not to go for quality. We need the most amazing ideas. But let's go for quantity. Just think of all these ideas can be really helpful in allowing people to brainstorm and not think first, here's all the parameters of my job search. But then we have the pragmatism too. We live in a capitalist society. We have to think about your mortgage, if you have children, all of those things. And so okay, what are the real requirements in your job search? What are the deal breakers? And then what preferences do you have? And getting really clear with people, okay, here's my requirement. I need to make 100K a year and I'd love to make 500K. Or I need to make 200K a year, I'd love to make 250. I need to be in the Bay Area and I want something remote. And that's getting clear on then, what are our parameters? Where are we going to draw the line? And do any of these circles or any of these possibilities align with those roles you've mentioned? Maybe the singer doesn't align, but there's something in between engineer and singer that does align with all your requirements and preferences. It really is such an opportunity to think outside the box and get creative, which I think just even just the act of allowing yourself to be creative is sort of like a rebellion against 
you know, standard mainstream society because we're taught we're supposed to be, you know, adulting and responsible and and you just go do the things that are impressive. But it's like allowing ourselves to be creative, even in the job hunt process or the career exploration process. That alone is like you, you watch people come alive a little bit, which is something that I love to see is when they start to like before the job hunt or the job search or even the possibility of considering some sort of a pivot is like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know, they they think it's something they should do or maybe they're kind of desperate and they're ready to do something else, but it just feels like a slog and it feels stressful and there's all this pressure. But everything you were just describing makes it sound more like detective work and like a little bit like play, like go out in the fucking playground and like throw some sand around and just see what happens and go down the slide and and it's like thinking through things in a different lens than they might normally think through. And really, especially like, talk, I don't know, talking to people from completely different industries and asking them about their paths and stuff. I think it opens up so many new ways of looking at something. Like I remember before I found coaching, my own journey was like such a random ass winding path all over the place. But part of how I did find coaching was I was like, I kept noticing who in my realm looked a fulfilled and like they were enjoying what they were actually doing, but also like they act liked their lifestyle and they weren't chained to a desk somewhere. And I was like, who are these people and why do they like their job so much? You know? And I started sitting them down and like interrogating them. I was like, I'm buying you lunch, tell me everything, you know? And then eventually I started seeing patterns. I was like, a lot of these people are coaches. And I was like, what is this thing? And then I realized it was like exactly what I, you know, was built to do. But this skill of being creative and daring to think in new ways and looking at other resources and kind of becoming this detective where you're like connecting the dots, it just makes the whole job search and career exploration process like so much more pleasant too, instead of having it be this big, awful slog that I think so many folks see it as. And that permission to explore is really helpful. Being able to just go out there and say, I'm not going to start with, is this job a reality or not? Just exploring. One of my favorite activities to give clients is to have them go to the job's page of a big company they like. Maybe they love Sephora. Maybe they love Amazon. Maybe they love some other company, Meta. And they'll go to their jobs page and just bring me all the jobs that are interesting to them. Not look at the titles because they might be surprised. Maybe they suck at sales or they think they suck at sales, but then they go and say, every single job I'm interested in is in the sales department. So just to go and look and see what jobs grab their attention and then see like you did, what are the similarities here? And people are often surprised sometimes because they'll just go by the titles or by the company, but to open themselves up and explore first, and then we can start adding some pragmatism, some, okay, here's the realities of your current life circumstances that we have to keep in to account here, but really start with just exploring and seeing what's out there can be really powerful. And so much more fun and playful and pleasant. I love it. For the typical person who, especially if they feel like they don't necessarily know what they want, if they were to shift gears and go in a different direction, or they kind of like don't know themselves and they just, maybe they're on autopilot. They've just been doing what they've been doing, but they're like, you know, I really do want to um, be more authentic. I want to find something that's more aligned. I want to find something that I'm actually good at. That's a better fit, but they're kind of like, I don't know where to start. Do you, are there any tools that you love or that you recommend in terms of, you know, like personality tests, strengths like Gallup, um, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Leadership 360, any of, do you have any favorites that you love working with people that you find especially helpful? 
there's formally, I love using the strong, it's called the strong interest inventory. It compares you to people across 140-ish different careers and says, and I think they're about to update it to 240 something, but says, here's people who you're likely to get along with and can give you some ideas. And you literally answer some questions and then it shares back with you, here's possible careers. And it doesn't say you're going to be good at these or not good at these. You have the education or not the education. It just gives you ideas. And I've had clients get careers and they're like, oh, I don't think I'd like being, one of my clients got optician. He's like, I don't like that. I said, okay, what about optician? do you think was the reason that you got this? And he's like, oh, I like working with people. I like helping people. I like using my hands. So then we explored other careers that leverage those aspects. So I love the strong. You have to work with someone who's certified because it's a psychological assessment. But anyone listening to this can just do a mini 360. One of my favorite activities with clients is to have people just text a few family members, friends, colleagues, and say, hey, if I wasn't blank, if I wasn't a career coach, what could you see me doing for a living? And you can do the same for companies. You can do the same for if you don't know what makes you fabulous. Hey, what makes me fabulous? But I've had clients do this and they're like, Kyle, I currently work in operations and every single person I reached out to said HR. And I said, well, was it a group chat? And they're like, no. Individually, I reached out to three different people and they all said HR and they all said I should work at Calm. I'm like, maybe this is a sign here. These other people have this idea for you. And it doesn't mean necessarily you should do it, but maybe we should explore this and see what's here. And I found that to be really helpful because sometimes you're just kind of on the inside of the glass. It's hard to look at the label. So someone externally can give you some really great ideas. That's such a good point. I think so many of our natural genius, our inherent strengths and talents and things, and part of what makes each of us so completely unique is like completely in our blind spot because it's like never occurred to us that everyone else isn't also good at that like I always laugh because my my husband and I like our brains could not be wired more differently like he has this amazing mind for detail and he just like he has like a borderline photographic memory which is super annoying if you don't and your partner does (laughs) because for lots of reasons but like and he just remembers things and he processes things very quickly. I'm much more like I'm not a detail person. I'm like a big picture thinker. I like the overview before I can even co- contemplate looking at details. And my mind does not hold on to a lot of the types of information that he does, whereas my mind is much more tuned into kind of like the bigger vision and, and dreaming and like I'm more of my strengths are like on the intuitive emotional side. But it's so many of, that, so many of those things like we really don't know that those are things that are different about us because we just assume everyone else is the same until we realize that mm-hmm. we're not and we're like I love that just kind of finding the patterns of people that know you well and noticing what they all say exactly and you can do this yourself as well you can and say what are the things I like what are the activities I like okay I like Disneyland I like drinking coffee I like trying new coffee shops I like writing I like spending time with family and then see what they all have in common. Here's five things I like about each of these. What do they have in common? And for me, I'm very curious. I like strategy. I like asking questions. I like branding and marketing. I like storytelling. Oh, wait, all of those things make a great coach. So no wonder I'm a coach and I like it. So if you're listening to this, you can say, hey, what are some activities I like? What do they all have in common? And really, I encourage you to go to at least five things about each activity, not just the first one, because usually it's like, it's fun, or I like it. That's obvious. Keep going. And you'll notice some trends and some dots connect and then say, oh, if I'm not liking my current job, it's probably because it's lacking these things that are in common with the things I like outside of work or beyond work. 
So now I have to know if you weren't doing what you're currently doing, or let's say it's like off the table for whatever reason, you're not even allowed to do it. What would be your like alternate reality? Oh my God. Work world. I get asked this a lot. And I, I think it would be a few things. The one that immediately comes to mind is therapist. I think it's similar, but quite different as well. I always make clear to people, I'm not a therapist, quite different. But sometimes, I wouldn't say regret, but sometimes I wonder what would have happened if instead of like a master's in public administration and going down that leadership route, I would have instead went down the therapist route, working one-on-one with people. And then I think, well, what would my niche be within that? And I'm like, oh, what I went with tech. Okay, if I wasn't allowed to go with tech people, who would it be? And thinking through all that is always fun. But I think it would be therapist because it's still that storytelling. It's that branding. Um, Because you're sharing your identity, which is a brand with someone. It's those powerful questions that therapists ask. So I think that's the route I would likely go down. Or something uh, like high-level strategy executive at Disneyland or Starbucks or Nordstrom or these companies with really amazing brands and marketing. I love how much you love Disneyland and Starbucks. I was looking at your website earlier too. And I love how that's just like such a a part of your story that you own. I think mine, um, I think about this a lot actually, is like, I really feel like this career that I found is absolutely perfect for me. It just allows me to be completely who I am. And the more unapologetically authentic I am, the better. And my work is whatever the hell I, however I want to design it. I can make it exactly the expression of how I want to live my life and design it around my lifestyle. And had I not chosen this, I'm like 99.9% sure I would have wanted to be a Hollywood actor, which is quite different, quite different. However, (laughs) it's one of those things that I'm like, I was always interested, but I never really had the courage to go after it. I like stuck a toe in a few times. I was a background actor a bunch of times in college, but I was always just like, oh, I'm just doing it for, you know, for fun or, but I was like secretly hoping, hoping I would get a a SAG card or voucher or whatever it's called. Um, And, you know, I've been like been in some music videos and commercials and stuff, but for like 0.5 seconds (laughs) for each one. But then there's, you know, and I love to sing and I love to dance and those things, but I've never actually gone for it. And I'm like, is there I have these moments where I'm like, what if I had gone that route? Like, could I have actually, quote unquote, made it? And now, like, I used to maybe regret that a little bit. But now I'm like, actually, I love this so much more. So I'm happy I chose it. And if I want to sing, if I want to dance, if I want to do any acting, if I want to do any improv, like, I can just go do it. And if I want to get creative, I can find interesting ways to kind of weave it into my business, into my brand and stuff. So at the end of the day, like, being honest about all these things that we love, our passions, our weird little quirks, our like, you know, secret desires, the more that we can just own them and give ourselves permission to love those things. Like maybe we even find creative ways to integrate it into our careers or we have our careers and then we honor those passions and things on the side. Yeah. Like integrating into your career. And I love that because I love branding and marketing and then I get to integrate that into my career. And then saying sometimes there's just hobbies that are hobbies or interests that are interests that don't need to be integrated into your career as well. And that's okay. Not everything has to make money, be monetized or be productive, or at least in the sense of productivity that we think. And it's okay to just say, this is a hobby. I love watching movies and TV. It's okay for those just to be hobbies and interests and not make me any money or not be traditionally productive. Totally. It's like, you can just love watching your you know, super, super artsy, independent films. You don't necessarily have to go be a professional film critic. (laughs) Unless that's what you really want, you know, but um, so you talk a lot about people finding and owning their own, their fabulousness, which uh, resonates with me so much. I talk a lot about people owning it and just, you know, unleashing their inner badass. And I think it's all, you know, we're, we're speaking to the same 
kind of core essence of people and what makes us unique. Um, so I would love to know for you, like, what does that mean to you and your work? And I know you talk a lot about like how people can stand out when looking for their next job. So owning your fabulousness, what's it all about? Yes. When it comes to fabulousness, a lot of people reach out to me because they say, Kyle, oh, I don't know how to stand out in the job search, whether it's my resume or on LinkedIn or when networking or when interviewing. And I think it really comes down to what makes you fabulous. In other words, what's unique, different, better about you compared to other applicants. And that's your job when hundreds, if not a thousand or more people are applying for a role is to figure out what's unique about you. And then people are like, okay, that's great. How do I do that? And some of the strategies we've talked about already, you can leverage. There's assessments like Gallup. I love that to figure out your strengths. I'm certified in that. You can also say, okay, let me do a little mini 360. Literally just text a few people and say, what makes me fabulous? The people are closest to you. And oftentimes I work with a lot of tech folks who are very tech savvy. And they're like, I texted a bunch of colleagues and not a single person mentioned my coding or my engineering skills. So you'll often be surprised, as you mentioned, these blind spots. We're like, oh, wait, I'm great at that. I didn't realize it until someone else said it. Six different people said I'm great at mentoring and I never realized I'm a mentor. And then I also like having people go out and do an assessment and say, okay, these people say that, take those texts, but then compare that to your childhood. And this can be difficult for some people. But I think of it, we've mentioned a Venn diagram earlier. This is a different one. On one side of the Venn diagram, you have that feedback you've received from people. And the other side of the Venn diagram, I like saying, what did people say about your childhood before we had all these pressures of you have to have a job that makes a lot of money? No, you can't be an actor or a singer or whatever. What did people say about you? And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, you're such a good teacher. I asked for a whiteboard when I was young. I think I was in fifth grade. And one of my favorite presents was a four foot by six foot whiteboard that I hung in my room. I literally had a paper lesson plan from Staples. Like I was the only kid that got anything from Staples for elementary school Christmas. And then you overlap those and it's, I'm a teacher now and I educate people on their job search. So looking at that overlap and what's stuck with you over the last 20, 30, 40 years can be an amazing way to figure out what's fabulous about you and the core of who you are that hasn't changed despite all of the societal pressures. I really believe too that the more that we each as individuals, whether it's what we're seeking in our career explorations, if we're making any sort of pivot, we're just like people living their life and trying to, you know, get through their day and work on their health and work on their relationships. Like the more that we can own our fabulousness, own just all of who we are, especially mm-hmm. the things that make us different, like that's part of the secret sauce, I mm-hmm. think, to living a really rich life where, I mean, because it makes so much sense, right? Our social conditioning or all of our survival instincts, our brain is just trying to keep us safe. So of course, there's so such a deep wired tendency to want to conform and fit in and not stand out. And unless you're like, you know, just going the opposite direction, you want to rebel against everything that your parents taught you or whatever it is. But like, waking up to what is unique about us, not in a way that makes us superior or better than or anything, but just like recognizing it and giving it, it's like giving it room to breathe. I think there's a lot of parts of us that we get, you know, they, they get tucked away because we don't think they're safe because of how we grew up or whatever it is. And letting those parts like come up for air and come out and breathe and move and play. I'm like, you know, doing like a dancing waving motion with my body right now, hopefully not too far away from the mic. But it 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 just like makes us feel free, I think, in our whole person, mentally, emotionally, physically, energetically, spiritually. It's like we can like relax 
into who we are. There's this, um, I think it's a Japanese proverb. Maybe it's a Chinese proverb. Shit, I forget. I used to put it at the bottom of every newsletter back in the day. And it's something like tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. And to me, that is what happens when we own our fabulousness and can just like relax and we stop being so rigid and stop like trying to control and predict everything. And then all that like weird special sauce that makes each of us quirky comes out. And those are the little things that make people so fun to be around and so magnetic and so attractive. I always know, like I'm always the most drawn to people when they're, when I'm like, wow, I have never seen that weird side of you. And I'm like, I like it, bring it out more. And it, it, I think can be such, people are maybe afraid to do that in the professional setting or in a work context, because we're trying to be all appropriate and whatever, but it really truly is the thing that gives us more relaxation. And also I think one of the things that can help you get ahead in the right context with people who will appreciate those parts of you. Yeah, I love that. And again, I think asking other people around you, looking at yourself and saying, what's interesting about me, and then going and asking other people around you can also reassure you, maybe it isn't actually that weird and quirky. And maybe it's just something people love about me. They're like, oh, that's different and unique. And I love it. And that's amazing. And can be reassuring and build your confidence as well. Lately, I've been trying to, um, or not trying to, I've just been sort of consciously making sure that I share the things that I love because I, I love like just on social media, for example, I love seeing those parts of other people and people that I maybe have never met in life, but I'm like in real life, I'm following them online. And I know, like, I know, like I know that they are maybe obsessed with Starbucks or obsessed with Disneyland because they share it all the time. And I'm like, so when I see those things, I think of them. Right. And I, so my versions of that are, I'm obsessed with cats and pretty much any kind of dancing and then certain kinds of humor and comedy. Like I love impersonations or certain kinds of stand up, And so I'm just trying to do a better job of really sharing those things. And it's so fun because now most people who follow me any, any like regularly know how obsessed I am with cats. And so people send me cats thing, cat things and like send me funny videos and they're like, they get it. And it just gives me a lot of joy to relax into that. And then it mm-hmm. is fun to have that, like that becomes a common language with other people who share that thing too, which they wouldn't know if you didn't share it regularly. And going back to the job search too, I love this because then this can help with your job search. That's why I share about Starbucks, about Disneyland. Everyone has an opinion. Same with cats. Even I don't love cats. Um, I don't really like cats. However, my old roommate had a cat and we had this love-hate relationship. He would be best friends with me all day. Then the, the end of the day, my roommate would get home and he would be mean to me and scratch me and hit me and different stuff. So everyone is able, when you share these stories, to be able to connect with you, whether they like it or don't like whatever you're sharing. It's just this connection point. And when you're looking for jobs, these connection points can be helpful. And again, sharing them allows you to stand out in the job search where it's so saturated and be like, oh, here's another human. They're different. Let's talk about this. Or we have the similarity. Let's talk about it. And it can be so powerful. So when you're scared to maybe share these, I encourage you to do it and see. Even here, we don't have the same opinion about cats, yet we're able <laughs> to laugh over their how they're interesting. You make such a good point about the the connection and the intimacy. I've had some conversations on here recently about just the the like the power of vulnerability and intimacy and what happens when we allow ourselves to go a little deeper and you know just be real with people and show them what's under the hood and all of that so um, even though you don't love cats I will allow it and (laughs) no but you're right even if it's like people have the opposite opinion it's fun to be able to create that contrast too and get into nice little debates about things too Um, one thing I wanted to ask you because I'm such a fan of dreaming and leaning into the excitement and the possibilities. And so I always want to know when I'm speaking with people kind of like, 
what is next for you? What are you excited about? What does the next chapter of Dr. Kyle Elliott look like? And what are you like stoked to be working on or leaning into or evolving into? I love learning. So I finished my doctorate last year. And then last month, my partner, JD, and I were able to walk together because he finished his master. So super exciting. We went to North Dakota for graduation because we went to school online at University of North Dakota. And then for a year, I kind of stopped doing formal learning. And now this year, I've been back doing more. So I have quite a few certifications I'm doing. One is Designing Your Life. It's a um, certified coach program. I have a Mindfulness for Educators program starting next week. I've like so many signed up. I'm like, oops, I have a lot going on. And my partner, he was trying to schedule haircuts. I'm like, this night I have this, this night I have this, this night I have this. Let's try and find a day where we can go get our haircut. So that's what I'm excited about, just more learning. And not all of it either is career related. Some of it is just let me go have fun and learn about this. I have a paint night coming up. And I do not consider myself artistic in that way. Um, I would say I'm artistic with words and speech and stuff, but not with painting. So just a lot of learning coming up right now that I'm really excited about. Hell yes to all of that. We are all about the learning over here. Um, I will just share too. One thing that I'm excited about is I've been sort of alluding to a secret project um, a little bit, and I'm so I'm. It's still a secret. I'm not going to tell you anyone what it is yet, but I'm just very excited about it. It's going to be one of my next offerings through my business, and it's something that like I only started working on a couple months ago, but now that I've been working on it for a bit, I'm like this was a long time coming. I almost like. Finally, it was like it was like percolating under the under the surface. And now that it's starting to come up and out, it just feels like exactly where things need to go. So I'm very excited about that. And you can all just continue to wonder because I'm not telling you yet. Ha. I also love mystery and intrigue. (laughs) And I love this. It's designing. You're designing your life. You're designing what you want and creating it. And I love that. It's one of our themes today. I'm such a proponent of um, lifestyle design because what I see around me everywhere and what I see that does not leave lead to a lot of thriving and excitement and fulfillment is this kind of tendency to just live our lives by default on auto autopilot. We're just like creating our present and thus our future based on our past, based on our conditioning, based on our programming, based on our trauma and our fears and all of that. And it's like when we want to actually intentionally design our lives and create them and manifest our dream lives and all of that, it takes stepping away from the past, you know, mm-hmm. repetitive patterns that will just continue to perpetuate until we pattern interrupt and do something different. And so leaning more into intentional design, that's like where everything, that's where I crackle with aliveness in my whole being. (laughs) It's, I think, so fun and so exciting. I love that. I love that. So um, kind of final note before we bring it home here. So in honor of Pride Month, actually, this occurred to me just right before we hopped on, I would love to get your perspective on something. So I am someone who, um, I would say I have a lot of privilege, I imagine, and I'm making assumptions, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. I imagine we are both maybe in a somewhat similar position here where, um, but I'll speak for myself. I have a lot of privilege when it comes to anything and everything LGBTQ because I am white, I am cisgender and able-bodied. I grew up with, I would say relative, <laughs> relative because in Bay Area, everything's relative, <laughs> like relative socioeconomic privilege, um, both in my original family and kind of like where I've landed since then. Um, and I am straight passing. I'm very much bisexual woman, but I am also very much married to a man. And I think that anyone who just meets me will assume that I am a, you know, straight white cis woman. And mm-hmm. anyone who maybe knows me personally or knows me on social media, I speak pretty freely about being bisexual, but I 
it's like my entire life, I've never really faced discrimination. I haven't really had any disadvantages due to not being straight. And so and in a way, I mean, for a long time, I almost like felt a little guilty. I kind of felt like I was like, yeah. I'm like standing outside of the community. I'm not actually a part of it because I'm not allowed to be in there because mm-hmm. I haven't like earned it, you know? And then a couple of years ago, I was like, well, that's not really helping anybody. So I decided to let that that perspective go. And now I try to embrace the fact that it is part of my identity and I am in the community. However, I'm also very, very acutely aware of the fact that I have a lot of privilege and I haven't faced so many of the hardships that so many folks have. And I have been thinking a lot about how do I do a better job of A, being a member of the community, but also B, and perhaps more importantly, being a strong ally. And other than the obvious things like donate money to organizations that are doing important work, I'm just trying to get a little bit more creative and like, how do I use my platform, my privilege, my power, my like ease um, to have a, have a more helpful impact um, so I'm curious what your perspective is, how someone like me or just people who have this kind of privilege, like, yeah. what do we do to be better help? Yes, I, I love the word privilege there. And I think of unearned advantage. And often I'm invited to conversations and to places. And I ask myself, okay, I have this privilege. I have this unearned advantage. How do I use it? And sometimes it's saying, hmm, this person's not in the room. Why are they not in the room? How can we invite them in the room and make sure they're here? Or, hey, have we thought about this? And really just using my voice. I remember working at an organization and one of my colleagues who was not a white man often would share stuff. And I'd be like, okay, she shared that and no one noticed or no one really acknowledged it. And then we would chat and say, hey, Kyle, can you repeat this? And I would say, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing idea. So sometimes it's as simple as that, me just replicating and saying, hey, this person just said that. Let's pay attention to that. And asking myself every day, every moment, how do I use this privilege and this unearned advantage to support people from these intentionally ignored communities? And sometimes it's as simple as just that, hey, this person said something and just continually asking myself that question. And as a coach, that's why I like focusing on the question. How do I keep using this rather than saying, here's the one answer instead, because it's going to look different in every situation. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you do, I believe, some more DEI-centered work, or you bring that into the conversation, I believe, in Uh a lot of your work with individuals and with companies and and speaking, yeah? Yes, I do. I just did a talk recently on recruitment. How do we create a sense of belonging when we're recruiting? I did it at HR conference, and a lot of people said, wait, when we're talking about recruiting, we don't often think about belonging before someone even joins our company. So my job isn't to say, here's how to do it. I'm not the expert in recruitment. I'm a career coach. I work on the job seeker side. But because I have this unique perspective, let me go facilitate a conversation on this and not be the expert. Let all of you HR folks be the expert. Let me use the space I have, this platform I have to create the conversations to allow people to speak and share their voices and to create change. Or if I'm somewhere where I see something that's not okay happening, me speak up and using that voice and that power I have to say something and not let it just slide by. Thank you so much for all your perspectives, your wisdom, sharing your experience with us. And hopefully the 
the tech gods have played well with us today. I was having some technical difficulties earlier. Um, and if we have any, then my producer, who's an absolute genius, might be able to smooth out the kinks. But thank you so much for your time. I really, it was so nice to get to actually see you face to face and meet you and not just like secretly stalk you on the inter internet. Now, at least you know you have a fan over here and I will continue sending people your way. But for anyone who's listening and who wants to get to know more about you, what are the best places that they can go stalk you on the internet? Yes, LinkedIn's often one of the best. It's Kyle Elliott with two L's and two T's. And then my website, kathmadekyle.com, is a great place as well. If you're looking for a job, I have a job search blog there. Dozens and dozens of articles. I have a free job search launch guide you can download. Um, I would say those two places are often the best. I share a plethora of free resources. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was really nice to meet you. And for all of you listeners, thank you so much as always is tuning in. If this episode was helpful to you in any way, I would love to hear about it. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or um, shoot us an email at hello at ohiself.com or anywhere else that you want to find me on the internet. And um, as always, we really appreciate if you rate and review and share the episode with anybody that you think might benefit. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.